Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. For the Women's Conference, I began to think, what keeps us from believing? If we can figure that out, that helps our belief, doesn't it? (laughs) If we can figure out what it is that keeps us from walking in faith, because there have been times I felt like I've walked in faith and I didn't see God's word fulfilled. And we could go into endless debate and question, and I'm not a theologian, but I'm gonna share with you what I believe God put on my heart for not only the women, but for this house today. And as always, when I go to prepare a teaching, I have a wonderful, amazing, incredible resource named Tom. (laughs) And as I was preparing and thinking, God, what is it that causes us to not believe? What is it that causes me? Because oftentimes I find myself praying, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. As the disciples prayed, help our unbelief, Lord. And... So the Lord took me to two very simple passages, Hosea and Hebrews. Right. Any of you who are students of the word know that those are not the easiest passages. And so I kept going to this passage. And so I told Tom, I said, he goes, so what are your thoughts? So I started telling him my thoughts and he goes, okay. (laughs) When he says, okay, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm all messed up. I'm already on the wrong track. You know, just, you just tell me what I should say. And he goes, no, let me dig into this. So when he began to dig into it and look at the passage in Hosea and then the passage of Hebrews that the Lord had begun to speak to my heart in my, just my personal devotions and in my prayer time, some amazing things began to surface. Now, let me set a backdrop. If you're new to faith or maybe you you just haven't really dug in, The scripture Bible is written in two sections, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Testament, the New Covenant. The Old Testament is before Christ. The New Covenant is after Jesus Christ. Jesus came to fulfill all the laws of the prophets and and the prophecies in the Old Testament. And hallelujah, we get to live in the New Testament and the New Covenant. How many are thankful for that? Thank you, Jesus. I am so thankful for that. Not sure how I would have done in a tent wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. So I have to be careful not to be too difficult on those people. Just saying. And so when God birthed Israel, his people, he, they were in bondage in the references I'm going to talk about in Egypt. Okay. Y'all know the story about Pharaoh and all the plagues and Moses rising up. And so God delivered his children from bondage and he took them through the Red Sea. Remember how many know what I'm talking about? I need to know that I'm not preaching over anybody's head today. And they got through the Red Sea. He delivered them from bondage, from oppression, and he delivered them And he was moving them towards the promised land of Canaan, the rest that he had promised his people. So they got into the wilderness and they ended up staying there, got stuck there literally for 40 years. There were a few people, Joshua and Caleb, who had the faith to believe and be obedient to God, but pretty much the rest of them, God said, "Eh, you were rebellious, 
You had a spirit of rebellion, which is a spirit of disobedience, and you are not going to enter the rest of the promised land. Okay? So going to Hosea chapter 7, this is what the Lord begins speaking to me. What is it that we take for granted? Now, before I get to this, how many know that we have some verbal artifacts in our life? What I mean by that, they're sayings that our culture has sort of accepted and they're frequently on our lips like, I gotta take that with a grain of salt or um, uh, fit as a fiddle. Well, the interesting thing about the grain of salt means that like one grain of salt weighs literally nothing So you just say, oh, I wouldn't put much weight in that. Just take it with a grain of salt. Here's another interesting one. Oh, they've got a chip on their shoulder. Well, come to find out in the 1800s, putting a chip on your shoulder, a literal wooden chip on your shoulder was meant you were asking for a fight because you were offended. And so a fight was sure to ensue if you put a chip and said, I want you to knock the chip off my shoulder. (laughs) Some people still do that verbally, I just must say. Others are like bull in a china shop. Oh, we need to give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, that's easy as pie. Uh, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say blah, blah, blah. Uh, They are mixed up. Oh, that's a half-baked bird brain idea. Now, these last three really are sort of verbal artifacts that we're gonna even get from this passage of scripture. Now, I'm gonna read it and you're gonna think, what in the world is she talking about? Let's get through it, then I'll explain it, okay? Starting at Hosea 8. Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim, Hosea changes Israel, the people of Israel, the people of God, and he refers to them as Ephraim from about this chapter on not going into that. So when it's Ephraim, just put people of God. Okay? People of God. Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake unturned. Aliens have devoured his strength, but he doesn't know it. Yes, gray hairs are here and there on him, yet he does not know it. And the pride of Israel testifies to his face, but they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all of this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria, and wherever they go, I will spread my net on them, and I will bring them down like the birds of the air. So let's break this down a little bit and see what it means to us today. Now remember, I'm talking about how to build our faith, and I'm going to show you why we are faithless at times and what we can do about it. Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. Simply put, God is warning God's people not to mix with the culture of the day. Wow. He always had this problem with the people of God. He says, I don't want you to mix yourself with the culture of the day. It was syncretism. Syncretism is sort of a a blended algamation of of different religions or cultures or ideas or world mindsets. What happened was Israel was mixing their belief in God Jehovah with the gods of the other nations that they had uh, kind of aligned themselves with. 
God is warning them, do not do this. You become influenced by the surrounding cultures. There's no distinction. How many, now, let me ask you, how many thoughts, mindsets, um, ideas about what's going on in our society have you actually made room for in your life as a believer? Is it God's word plus something else? Or is it a part of God's word and a little bit of something else? When we mix with the culture and we begin to blend the ideas of the culture into our faith system, we dilute our faith system. We are no longer standing on the, what we call the unadulterated truth of God's word. We've got one foot in and one foot out. And it's like the people in Revelation that God says, I'd rather you be hot, I'd rather you be in, or I'd rather you be out. Because if you're sort of weak-minded, you don't know where you're standing, I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth. He says, I have given you the word of God. I have told you how to live, but it's not enough. We're going to blend the cultures. It's whatever the loudest voice is, whatever the most convincing word is in your life. We are dealing with that every day. All you have to do is turn on TV or look at Facebook and all of these ideas. They're judging what we're saying because we may not believe what they're saying or you're starting to feel like a fool because you're not agreeing with them. Let me tell you, the word of God is truth. It's living, it's active. It has the ability to produce results in our life. We cannot mix the world system, the world's ideology, the world's culture, the mindset of this world with what our faith teaches us through Jesus Christ. We will be weak-minded, we will be feeble, we will be powerless. That is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I didn't think I was going to preach, so let's move on. Compromise. Mm. Where are you compromising in your life? Ephraim is a cake unturned. You know what that means? Half baked. (laughs) Good for nothing. It's gotten scorched. You know why? Because it hasn't been given the attention that it needs. Our faith requires our attention. Our, word, our relationship with Jesus Christ requires our attention. It's not just mindless, put it on pause or put it on, um, what is that? Um, cruise control and everything's okay. The enemy is like a roaring lion, the Bible says. He's going around, he's looking for someone he can devour. He is looking to devour you. He's looking to destroy you. There is no truth in him. He is the liar, the father of lies. If he opens his mouth, he's lying. A cake unturned. Our faith must be given attention. It's good for nothing. Aliens have devoured his strength, but he doesn't even know it. Wow. God had warned the people of Israel over and over again, do not make alliances with these other nations. And what they thought was empowering them was actually zapping their strength. You know why? Because they were giving in to the idols of the world, therefore they became powerless. There's no power in idols. There's no power in lies. There's no power in deception. The power comes from knowing Almighty God. The power comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in His children as we speak the Word of God and as we are obedient to His Word. Hallelujah. 
Aliens have devoured his strength, and here's the problem. They didn't even recognize it. Like the cake unturned, it just happened little after little after little after little, a little bit here and there. And before you know it, it's like a ship. Uh, we used to, I boated a lot, uh, our family. And if you were just a degree off and you're going to a little island in the Bahamas like Bimini, one degree off over a period of time, you're going to be way over here and way off course and you don't even realize it. Before GPS, we had to watch the uh, compass. And oftentimes, I'd watch a cloud. (laughs) And my dad would come up after just a short amount of time because in the back of the boat, you could see sort of like the wake, and the wake was like "Mm, this, because I was watching that cloud blow whatever way it was blowing. You gotta stay on track. We gotta give attention, or little by little, the enemy takes us off track, and we don't even realize that we are so far from base. Hmm, what a word. Yes, there are gray hairs on us here and there, and he doesn't even know it. Same thing, walking a little bit of time, a little bit here and there. And the pride of Israel testifies to his face. Man, they don't return to the Lord their God nor seek him for all of this. In their pride, they not only did not believe God's word, that God alone was the answer, they didn't believe the words of the prophets or that God was sufficient for whatever it was They needed a little bit of God and a little bit of something else. That's pride. Second Corinthians warns us of that. It says, taking captive every thought that rises itself up against the knowledge of God. People come in for counseling all the time. And so after a couple, two or three times, we become a little more directive. Listen figure out what's going on. Know that there's always two sides to the story. (laughs) Always. And then you say, well, this is what I see the word of God saying. This is what, and they say, yeah, yeah, but, but, and I'll say it again. Well, here's what else the word of God is saying. Yeah, I know, but, but I say, you know what? I can't help you. I am a biblical counselor. I believe there's the word of God that teaches us, gives us instruction for all matters of life. And when you say, but, you're looking for another answer. You're looking for something else. These are the kinds of things we mix into our faith, mix into our life that keeps us from believing God because we don't know what we believe. We end up with a half-baked cake and bird brain ideas. Those were the idioms in this chapter. Half-baked cake and bird brain ideas. Our faith requires attention. Are we given Are we given more attention to what they're saying on Facebook or what the news is saying or what's going on in the world than we're given to the word of God? I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to not be informed, but I'm, want you, I want us to be informed to the place where we can discern good from evil, where we can discern the word of God from deception. The problem is we live in deception 
and we're not living in the word of God. God has given us his word so that we could have an abundant life, not only here, but in eternity. God has been so faithful to his people and he warns them over and over again. He says, when they go to Egypt and they go to Assyria, he said, I'm gonna throw my net over them because they're like silly birds. That means they're easily entrapped. I get, women, just give me a second here. I'm a woman, so I can say this. And if you get mad, just get the chip off your shoulder, okay? (laughs) You live too much by your feelings. Oh, I don't feel good today. You don't know what's going on. You don't know my daughter, my this, my that, my husband, my job, my... I just want to slap you. I'm just saying. (laughs) Quit being silly doves. Come on. Woman up. Be an eagle. You know, be a woman of God. Men, maybe you're all emotional too. Okay, man up. I'm telling you... We don't live by our feelings. Our feelings change. If the weather's bad, we're gloomy. If somebody said a bad word, we're depressed. If something has gone wrong, we don't know what to do. Well, let me tell you something. God doesn't change. The best day that you've ever experienced with him, that day of salvation, that day of embrace, the the day that you don't know what I've gone through to have a relationship with him. He's the same God when the weather's bad. He's the same God when something bad happens to our life. He's the same God, the same God, no matter how we feel. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus, that you are God and you are on the throne and you never change. Hallelujah. So as we go to the New Testament, there was this whole thing that Tom started thinking. We've mixed all this stuff into our life from the, from the um, Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Ephraim has mixed itself among the people. So we've mixed all this stuff into our life. Well, in the New Testament, this baking narrative lands squarely on us as we come to Hebrews. But in this instance, it's not something that we've mixed in. It's something that we have forgot to mix in or something we've left out. Okay? Are y'all tracking with me? Let's start at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Now, this chapter coming up to it is talking about the children of Israel wandering around in the the wilderness, the desert. Okay, so I'm not gonna read all that, but that's what this is about, all right? Verse 12 says, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now remember, we're no longer under the old covenant, we're into the new covenant. So he's talking to Hebrews, those same people who were led out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the promised land. This is the same group of people, just years later, all right? In the previous verses, as I mentioned, the writer uses the tragic failure of the Israelites in the wilderness as an example of what can happen when unbelief takes hold of our hearts. Okay? Because they didn't believe, they didn't obey. They grumbled, they complained, they had a rebellious spirit. This spirit of disobedience resulted in God's wrath excluding them from entrance into the promised rest of Canaan. 
I don't know if anybody's noticed, but disobedience is rampant in our society today. We see it in our children. We see it in others' children. We see it in our culture. We see it with a lack of respect. Disobedience is like there aren't any rules. There aren't any guidelines. There aren't any values. There's not a system of belief that teaches people to be obedient. And that's for another sermon, but it is rampant today. Now, unbelief, listen to me, is caused, according to this passage, by a hardened heart, okay, which is caused by deceitfulness of sin. Sin, deception, can harden our heart, can callous our heart to the things of God. A little bit here, a little bit there, we don't even know it, and our heart is getting crustier and crustier and more hardened and hardened to the Spirit of God and to the voice of God. When sin enters, we don't believe that God is who he says he is. We are in full-blown deception. It can be subtle, it can be overt, but it's always, always, always deception. It's deception when you look at the word of God and you say, but that's deception. The Holy Spirit in writing Hebrews eleven six, that great faith chapter, says he that must come that he that faith is believing and that believing is knowing who Jesus is. He that comes to God must believe that he is. He is what Jesus is who he said he is. God is who he said he is. He is the I am. He is the Almighty God. He is the all-sufficient God. That is what faith says. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. This is such a powerful verse. I hope I can express it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Let me set this up for you. The writer is saying, the promise still remains. What is the promise? What was the promise to the children of Israel? That they would enter the rest. That they would enter the rest. He said that promise still remains. He's talking New Testament, New Covenant. The promise still remains that we can enter into the rest of God. The rest. Rest being an abundant, fully satiated life, not only here, but in our eternity. How many would like to live in that kind of rest every day? Where there's provision, where there's plenty where there's every need. There might be a few battles here and there, but God is the victor. And we can be overcomers through Jesus Christ. He said, the promise remains to us that we too have the same promise that they had. Now we're hearing the same word they had, but here's what the problem was. They heard the word, but they didn't mix it with faith. So what is he, and therefore it didn't profit them anything. How many of us come into this house week after week 
We listen to Jesus songs all week long, but we leave unchanged. It's a good tune, it has a great beat, we love the singer's voice, but it doesn't impact our life in any way because we have not mixed the word of God with faith. And when we mix the word of God with faith, we then can be obedient. That produces obedience in our life. We hear the word of God, but we don't live the word of God. This is what the Bible is saying to us here in Hebrews. They heard the same word that we heard. You said they didn't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me show you something. According to F.F. Bruce, uh, excuse me, yes. F.F. Bruce, he says that this good news, the gospel was preached to them that they rejected in the Old Testament. And he references Exodus 19, verse, uh, chapter 19, verses three through six. Listen to this. And Moses went up to God. Did you know the gospel was preached in the Old Testament? And Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, this is what you will say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's his way of saying, I carried you. I loved you so much that I carried you out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Moses was given the word from God to tell his sons and daughters, the children of Israel, look, I have delivered you from bondage. I have delivered you from oppression. I have bring, I'm bringing you into a place of fullness, of promise. He said, I have borne you up on eagle's wings. I have covered you with my love. If you will obey me, I will do everything imaginable for you. Let's move to the New Testament. Jesus said that he came for the remission of sins. He delivered us out of sin, out of darkness, out of bondage into his marvelous light. And first Peter says, oh, let me read it. Let me just read it. It says, but you now are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a holy nation. We are a people chosen by God, special, distinct, just like the Israelites were to proclaim the praises of him who's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We were once not a people, but praise God through Jesus Christ. We are the people of God who did, who have obtained mercy and have obtained grace and help in our times of need. Aren't you thankful? The same gospel, they heard it. They saw it with signs and wonders and still they grumbled, complained, didn't obey. And we say, man, we would have done that if we would have seen the signs and wonders, if we would have seen all that God did. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't do that. We do the same thing today. I'm not beating us down. This teaching to me is liberating because we see some things in our life that we've just compromised a little bit at a time and just let it come in. We haven't attended to our faith because we don't know the word of God. But there's some things we haven't mixed in. Jose, can you bring that out to me? Please, uh, the, the table, table. Now this word, mix, is a very interesting word. This is where our pastor is so amazing. I love it when he does word studies. He gets some really deep things out of the word of God. Um, I didn't get any gloves, but we'll do it without gloves. Oh, they're white. 
They were blue yesterday. This looks more like the hand of God right here. This word mix, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you're not going to believe what it means. According to Harris's theological, I'm almost done. According to Harris's theological word book of the Old Testament, it's a, real, um, a ritualistic term used of mixing oil into the flour or the meal of the cereal offering until every particle whew, of the flour was permeated with the oil. Oil. Here we are now in the Old Testament. And the priest has some flour. And this is all it was. There are different kinds of offerings. But this was flour or the meal of cereal uh, for an offering. And different offerings were given for as in worship or as um, sacrifices for sin. And the priest, what he would do is he would take the oil. I should have taken that off. I had this problem yesterday. And he would pour the oil in. And he would mix it in such a way that it came together. And it wasn't like this. Can you still see the flower? Okay. He would mix it. There was an intentionality to it. He would mix it. Until you couldn't tell where the flower was and the dough began. Into every particle, in every molecule, the priest would mix the oil. As we come to the New Testament, he says, they heard the word of God, but because it wasn't mixed with faith, it wasn't productive. When we come in and out every week, when we read our Bible, we have been anointed by the Holy Spirit oil. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was poured out to empower us. See, they couldn't they'd do it on their own in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit had not been poured out in the same way. There was a representative, the priest. But now in the New Testament, when they would make the meal offering. And then I can't tell where the oil is. I can't tell where the flour is. And in our lives today, when we become saturated with the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we get that mixed into our life, faith increases. Because faith empowers us. See, faith takes the word of God and the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and he says, I'm going to teach you all things. He says, I'm going to guide you into truth. You can read the Bible, but without the Holy Spirit helping you understand it, it might be through a teacher. It, it, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you directly, but he says, I'm going to guide you into all truth. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you without a helper. The helper's not just to get through the day. The helper is to teach us how to live a powerful, victorious life through Jesus Christ and his word. 
The word of God by itself is not going to get you where you need to go unless you understand it by the spirit of God and then you obey it. Listen to me. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, and obedience produces faith in our life. Jose, I need that board now. That's where I need the board. I did this yesterday and they didn't get it. Maybe some did. I don't know. We use this a lot in, in uh, teaching, and we use a different word usually, but let's do this. We might need a new board. Here's the word of God, the word. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here is our will, center of our thoughts, emotions, actions, that says, yes, I get to choose. So I obey. Does that make sense? We can't do it with just the, Holy Wor- Hol- the Word and the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. This is something that's got to be mixed into your life. We got the word, I repeat the word, I repeat the word, I repeat the word, and Holy Spirit, you're gonna help me do the word, and the Holy Spirit's telling you what to do, and you say, I'm not gonna do that. Well, there's no power in that. There's no authority in that. Or you could say, you just have the Holy Spirit. I've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to just do whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to do, and you begin to be this, we call them... uh, fluffy, super spiritual Christians who aren't grounded in the word. They live by their feelings and emotions in a church service. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. And they walk out of this house. They're feeling the Holy Spirit. They are saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then they walk out and the cares of life grab them and they don't obey the word of God. The word of God's nowhere in the mix. If I just have, here is where faith is produced. When we recognize the word of God that is mixed with our will to be obedient and the Holy Spirit empowering us, the anointing that the Holy Spirit's working in our life produces faith, okay? So if your faith is out of kilter, I'm gonna tell you one of these are out of kilter. You either aren't believing the word of God, you're not asking the Holy Spirit to help you do something that you don't have the strength to do on your own, or you're not being obedient. They were left in the wilderness for disobedience. It is so critical, so critical that we allow the word of God that we hear to be, to be mixed, to be needed by the Holy Spirit. Can you, can you imagine the Holy Spirit? You feel that needing, that that squeezing, he's producing faith in your life. He's producing perseverance in your life. He's producing character in your life. And when that begins to happen, that we are so saturated with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, it is so easy to obey when we understand that he is for us, he is not against us, we serve a good God and his purposes are good in our life. Hallelujah. I wanna ask us today, What have you mixed into your life that you need to get rid of? Thoughts, mindsets of the world, alliances that you've made, friendships, 
that you thought are going to just build you up and make you feel better when really they're zapping your strength. You've gone so far off track, you don't even know it. The cake is half-baked. You've got gray hairs. You've wasted time. What is it in your life? I believe in the Holy Spirit's identifying some stuff in our lives that we haven't given attention to. And what are we mixing into our, to our life? I want it to be the oil of the Holy Spirit. I want believers to be full of the Spirit, full of the Word, walking in obedience, in alignment with God. I want to share you the hall of faith of women who I believed were in alignment with the Spirit of God. I got to get to the right page though because I don't, can't remember, remember all of this. Sarah, as I mentioned earlier, when women believe or men, just pretend like men's in there. They take steps of faith based on hope when we truly believe and the promise of God's word and go out not knowing the destination, only the next step. When women like Rachel believe, barrenness gives way to the birth of generations, two tribes of Israel that will change the world and become a living declaration of God among us. This, is, this happens when we believe and we step out. Like Jochebed, when women believe, they trust their children, baby Moses, to the promise of God in the face of the threat of culture to destroy a legacy of faith. And those children become world changers, delivering world changers. I want to be one of those women. How about you guys? Do you want to be a man who makes, is a world changer in this life? Like Ruth, when she believed, finds faith expression in the shadow of tragedy and loss. Her, her husband, um, everything she knew was lost tenaciously seeking redemption through a redeemer, which was Boaz, who became the bearer of the redeemer, Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we believe. When we believe, faith becomes a guttural cry for hope like Hannah whispered in a prayer that only God can hear. But here's the good news. You ever think you're praying and God doesn't hear? You think you're ever just moving your mouth and somebody thinks you're speaking gibberish? Well, here's the good news. He does hear. He does hear and a Samuel was born and a nation was saved. Like Esther, when women believe, faith awakens an awareness that the time of my birth is not an accident. And I declare that over all of us today, the timing of your birth is not an accident. I must be bold now. We must be bold now because we were made for such a time as this. He ordained you. He called you before the foundations of the world. This is our time. Hallelujah. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when women believe, they discover the Holy Spirit overshadowing them and inseminating something redemptive within them beyond the limitations of their own self-perception. When we believe, we know that there is nothing too difficult for God. Elizabeth, this was the mother of John the Baptist who was aging, aging. Please, God, don't do this to me. When women believe, age suddenly becomes inconsequential. Somebody needs to hear that today. When you believe, age is inconsequential. Young is inconsequential. Old is inconsequential. It's not just for the 20 and 30-somethings like society is making it appear today. If you're, not, if you're too young, you're not able. If you're too old, you're feeble. You're weak-minded. You're bird-brained. You don't have any use for society. But I declare today to you that God says, I don't care if you're young. 
I don't care if you're old. The prophet said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will see see dreams. And as our pastor has said, we are never too old to dream. We are never too young to see a vision and to see God's purpose in our life. Do not believe the lie of society today that says you're done, you're finished, you have to retire. You don't have anything else to give. Jesus said you were born for a time such as this. You were born for a time to speak my word. You were born for this time to share the gospel, to be delivered and to share your testimony. This is your time. This is our time. I'm stopping there.